Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your guest, Brandon. And I'm your other guest, Ian. <laughs> this podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you to your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D games. So thanks for joining us today here at the Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your rolls are like a blacksmith without a forge. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> At the beginning of every show, we like to take a moment to do something special for our listeners, don't we? What do we like to do, fellas? Give shit away. We do. What kind of shit are we giving away today? An adventure. Oh, yeah? Does this adventure have a name? Yes, it is the five-star adventure called The Banquet of the Damned, presented Ooh. forth by Goblinstone. Yeah, that sounds hot. I'm burning up with my innards right now. Depends on why they're damned. With excitement. <laughs> ah, my <laughs> pants are getting wet. <laughs> Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to be published. Be sure to head on over to goblinstone.com. Or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, critacademy.com. This week's winner of the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, is Astifer. Congratulations, Astifer. You are this week's winner of the Amazing Adventure. Please head on over to the DMs Guild um, and leave them a wonderful rating. Before we get into our main topic, every week we like to take a minute to, to hear a little bit about what's going on in our realm. Brandon, what's going on in your realm lately? Uh, I started drawing again. I, when I came back, my followers noticed that I was online, and I started getting commissioned right away. Yeah, buddy. Making that moolah. Oh, it's a plus. I also yeah. picked up a new hobby, lockpicking. Lockpicking? <laughs> yeah, I bought a lockpicking set because it's legal. <laughs> yes. How's it coming? Have you picked a lock? I've broken into my own house. That sounds interesting. How safe does that make you... Uh, feel knowing that you have zero experience you literally are non-proficient with a tool and you just broke into your own house yeah i, I tell my co-workers and other people that that if an artard like me can do it then anyone can do it <laughs> you're in trouble <laughs> also useful if you like your keys in your car that's true um do you guys see the new uh spider-man yeah no what? i want to go see despicable me three so sad face wrong choice. you went to the wrong choice yeah <laughs> wrong movie we had the boy with us so he could have seen him Spider-Man. He'd have loved it. I'm With sure all the, the whipping that goes on. Yeah. It's actually, hilarious. It was actually a pretty solid entry in the series. And it's definitely one of the better Marvel movies that they made in a while. And I'd actually say it's the best Spider-Man movie since Spider-Man 2. I don't know. I really liked Amazing Spider-Man. It wasn't bad. The first one, one was, was definitely all right. But the second one, not so much. Yeah. It, it's dragged down. Yeah. For, I, I can. Yeah, the second one, I agree. So, that's really cool and interesting. So, you're going to keep us up to date on your skills, right? You're going to come over and test breaking into my house for me? Actually, I specifically bought it to help other people. So Well, you better not suck at it, because that would be embarrassing. So, that's very cool. Yeah, what are you doing? What's going on in your life? <laughs> well, as so we just firmly established, watched uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Solid movie. And, not so fun, though, is my... Uh, <laughs> After I actually watched uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, on my way to work, I stopped by Taco Bell, and on my way in the drive-thru, my, uh, I put it in park because the, the waiting line was so long, but when I put it in the drive, my shifter cable and my, bro broke in my car. <laughs> so I was stuck in the drive-thru and park. 
right at the the the, the talkie thing too, right? The speak microphone. No, no, past it. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so you you put your car in drive anyway. <laughs> Didn't go oh, nowhere. Shit. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that sucks. That's got to be extremely uncomfortable. Especially since I was headed straight to work too at midnight. Uh, damn, that would suck. Mm, so did you miss work? No, I should have been working late, but I called ahead to why they understood completely. So. <laughs> like, take a, take a selfie. Taco Bell. <laughs> Peace. Did you ever hear the thing about the, the uh, dude talking about the gearbox? Because he's, he's spent his entire life doing manual, and he switched to an automatic. Mm-mm. He calls the manufacturer, and he says, there's nothing wonky and wrong with this gearbox. It's like, well, what do you mean? It's like, well, whenever it's nighttime, I don't go anywhere. The car doesn't move. Okay, so it's like, tell me exactly what you're doing. It's like, okay, well, when the sun is up, I put it in D for daytime, and I put it in N for nighttime, and nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. And I was at a stoplight, and this guy next to me was revving his engine, so I put an R for race, and I backed into a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So uh, is your car all fixed up, Ian? Or? Um, they had that special order, a, the cable, so I have to wait a few days before it to come okay. in. Well, you'll get it soon. you just borrowing somebody's vehicle for now. I'm using my truck that I'm trying to get rid of. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully nobody wants to buy it while you're driving it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess if you get some money, you can just go and get another one, I suppose. Give me five grand for your truck. Well, it looks like I'm walking. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, I'm glad that uh, you made it to work and you got your stuff all squared out. Actually, something else is kind of fun, <laughs> too. Is I know, you, I know you, you don't care too much about an Overwatch. So they just announced the character Doomfist. I actually watched the anime thing of that, and it was pretty baller, I'll say. And it's a character they've been implying that's been existing since before the game even came out, so it's to finally see him presented. And I've actually played the uh, PTR of the character for, for the past few days, and he's still being a pretty interesting kit. Yeah, I like melee yeah, classes. There, there, are, there are so many pe- people that are pissed off about that, though. Why? Because everyone was looking forward to Terry Crews being his voice actor. Oh, is that not who it is? No. That's a shame. I've even seen YouTube videos edited that the anime you just mentioned of Terry Crews' Old Space commercials edited into the dialogue. It's <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I like that. <laughs> Muscle! Block! 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 <laughs> Power! <laughs> Did you guys watch the uh, the Office linebacker? Yeah. <laughs> That's Terry Crews, right? You kill a Joe, he makes a mo. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's hilarious. And actually, this weekend, too, I also checked out the uh, Castlevania Netflix series. Uh, I watched it, yeah. It it's only good. four episodes, but it's a pretty good start, and they did it on season two. So. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I really um, like how they really made the Belmont a pretty badass guy. The people that made that are making a Assassin's Creed series, too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be on Netflix in a bit. Yeah. I like that. I like what they did with that, because... Because they took a game that's really well known and com- made it with an anime, I think that'll also bring more people to anime too. Right. Um, so I really liked it. I enjoyed it. My wife fell asleep on the couch, and I'm like, "Well, I can't get up to get any of the movies I'm actually supposed to be watching." So let's see what's on TV. <laughs> <gasps> Castlevania's on. Actually, Netflix. the uh, animation company that did that was actually an American company. <laughs> well, the an- Japanese anime isn't always just Japanese anymore. So yeah, same thing with art style. Well, anime style at least. Right. Which way worked the same way? Head on over to audibletrial.com slash critacademy and get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial to pick out your own source of inspiration for your campaign and really add a level of awesome that may or may not already be there. And they have over 180,000 titles to choose from. You don't say. That's a lot of damn books. 
It's a few. Um, More on my shelf. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, and what I, I really like audiobooks. You can just listen while you're driving. That's or if you got More a long commute. So that's 180,000 more books that are not on my shelf. <laughs> um, have books. So, yeah, that is... Check it out. Uh, audibletrial.com slash Academy. Moving on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment. We actually have a question from Facebook group member Joseph F. Say I'm a caster. You're a caster. You're I'm a caster. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm casting a spell. Okay. It is what catchers do. <laughs> they do that often, actually. An enemy caster sees me and casts counterspell. Can I then cast my own counterspell against the first counterspell, thus get my original spell off? What are your guys' thought, immediate thoughts on this? So, actually, uh, Joseph, yes, you can. Um, there's very particular rules, specifically page 202 in the player handbook, that actually says... If you used a bonus action to cast a spell, you can only cast a cantrip after the fact. Um, it limits the power of like the, the 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 mage or not the mage the like the sorcerer with the quickening spell and stuff. So you can cast a spell and you can only use a uh, bonus action uh, as a normal cast. That doesn't apply to this because you're not using it as a bonus action. So and yes, you can use your reaction on your turn. Um, actually, I don't think most people actually know that. <laughs> No, they don't. Uh, oh, that rule that you can only cast... You can't cast two spells. So, for instance, Mr. Chark cannot cast uh, Ice Knife and then quicken it to a bonus action and cast it again. That's against page 202 uh, rules. Oh, I've been playing my Storm Sorcerer say, wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, the cast thing's all Greek to me. I don't play casters. Yeah, so, so. Um, that's actually a common misconception. Most people, A lot of people don't know that. You're right. Um, and it really... It's there for a reason because... Uh, as soon as you start to get a little bit higher level, it becomes noticeably broken. Yeah, because especially when you play as a sorcerer, they do not spell that out in the sorcerer section at all. No, they don't. Uh, they do it in the, the casting spells section of the book. How dare they I put know, it right? over there? <laughs> um, specifically page 202. So check that out. Um, there is actually a sage advice um, for the counter spell versus the counter spell uh, that was answered already. And for those of you who don't know, Sage Advice is the D&D developers actually answering questions asked to them by the fans. Look at that. See, I wouldn't even have thought of that. Way to go. And just Google it. Just like Sage Advice, D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, Fifth Ed, whatever. It'll pop up. It's under uh, the Sage Advice's uh, compendium. Um, you're going to want to go check that out on page 12 on the compendium. So it says, uh, and actually the compendium, the, the question is, can you cast a reaction spell on your turn? You sure can. Here's a common way for it to happen. Cornelius, the wizard, is casting Fireball on his turn. The foe sees this coming and casts Counterspell. Cornelius has Counterspell prepared, so he uses his reaction to cast, cast it and break his foe's Counterspell before it can stop the Fireball. So that exact question is in the compendium. So nice. I had to look that up because I really wasn't sure of the answer, I'll be <laughs> honest. Um, I mean, I thought I knew how it worked, but then the, the, the limit of how many spells you could cast came into play. So, yes, you can. Um, and if you have any confusion about the, the, the limited number of spells, make sure you read the um, casting spell section, and uh, specifically page 202. It really helps out. So, Thank you very much, Joseph F., for your question. We hope that we have answered it. If we have not, please send your complaints to somebody else. <laughs> all right that does it for our let's talk about blank segment 
So our main topic today is six common DMing mistakes. Um, I actually read an article online where um, that this was written up by uh, Creighton Broadhurst over at uh, CreightonBroadhurst.com. Um, he writes for uh, Raging Swan Press, which I really like. So head on over to their Facebook and give him a like, like and a share. Um, he came up with some really uh, good points and. You can read all his, his statement on each one if you want by checking out his article. It will be in the show notes. Um, but we're going to kind of go through them. We're going to talk about them, maybe add a little bit to them, and see if we really agree with what he thinks are the, some of six common, six common GMing mistakes. The very first one is inappropriate rewards. What? Yeah. Have you guys ever been in a game where uh, the DM has given out uh, inappropriate rewards? Rewards? Maybe... Items that are way too powerful being the first one that comes to mind to me. Yeah. <laughs> I personally have not experienced that, but I heard plenty of horror stories from people who have. <laughs> yeah, where a DM can maybe creates a fancy custom item and or just gives them a really high-level item to begin with. And the result steamrolls through all the encounters and kind of ruins fun for the campaign because it's not challenging anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or it... Break everything. Yeah, it allow, it, they, outshine the, they outshine the other players. Right. Which can suck. As a player, having one person be the steamroller while you guys are just kind of being tugged behind like a bunch of kids on a sled. It's not... I don't think that's fun for anybody. Do you need a water or anything? <laughs> There's a whole fridge full of them now. Being red wagon. Red wagon, yeah, yeah. That's what we'll call it. Nobody likes to be red wagoned. Can we hashtag coin that and trademark that? <laughs> hashtag trademark. <laughs> that was a phrase on our boat. Was it? Yeah, for all the new guys. <laughs> It's one of the experienced guys. Hey, go go show the new guys the hydraulic plant. It's like, all right, guys, get in the wagon. <laughs> like, wait, what? Red wagon, get in the wagon, so I can show you what you're doing. That's hilarious. Yeah, so I guess we can't coin it, but hashtag stolen. Um, so yeah, no player likes to be red wagoned. Um, that's definitely a problem with uh, an overpowering item reward, right? Reward. I keep saying award. Not getting enough is a bad one too. Not getting enough treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can see that. Slaying demon I, after demon, and then I'd hate I'd hate to fight this giant boss and get like two copper pieces from him. <laughs> <laughs> like this is horse shit. <laughs> Actually, I think that one in particular, and this is not a GM's fault in particular, as much as the settings, but like uh, the Ravenloft setting, I think that's kind of a problem there. Just because there's like uh, no shops, no nothing there, you just get what you find. I can kind of see that, but I would argue that that uh, that um, adventure gives you some pretty powerful items. But like the Sunblade. But they're very few and far between, unfortunately. That, that's true. I'm more of a fan of less magical items, so I guess I don't see that as that much of a problem. But I can see as a player how that would be annoying to not have option. The uh, Ravenloft thing is to, to, to the point where you can't you can even buy regular items that would be standard in most item shops. Like even like armor, for example. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, because it's really just uh, it's not really a t- town made for that sort of thing, right? I am level six! I'm still stuck in leather because I can't find plate anywhere. <laughs> and and there's no gold in this realm, so I can't buy it if I, even if I did find it. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody there really has use for that anyway, it seems, right? Yep. Like, so, like, that's, but, that's one of the things... But that's more of a setting example, issue, though, yeah. than was a GM example. <laughs> right, I would agree. It's one of the things I always hated most when playing a game. is when you slay some sort of monster and you search it, and the DM says, oh, there's nothing there. I just like to point out, there's been many times where my players have searched bodies and didn't find nothing because their investigation check was crappy or something like that. Where did that lion keep that 12 silver? 
So yeah, I, I kind of I can see why not having enough uh, treasure can be an issue. It's also the issue of dealing the proper amount of XP as well. <laughs> yes, there's some. <laughs> I'm gonna kind of go on a tangent here. Um, there's some people who calculate it by the book per the adventure per the um, monster you slay, which is great. But what happens when you only do one encounter but have two sessions? Right. That that to me is where we end up a shortage of experience where some DMs don't reward don't give ex- experience rewards for role playing. Which is a very good thing to, to, to do actually because surprisingly to some people DMs is, is not all combat. But, right. But I do think good role playing should be re- rewarded because I've been to Gen Con where I see some r- role players on the fly, even in Adventure League, do some excellent, excellent role playing, and the GM kind of like gave him like props for it too afterwards. <laughs> right, and and that's the way it should be. I mean, um, so I didn't know you could get a or award players experience for role playing, and some people may not, and some systems actually encourage you to do so. <laughs> yeah, um, so at, you know, at the end of a session, you could either give it out just to the one player or add it on to whatever experience they got at the end of the session um but making sure that the pace is good i actually prefer the milestone process of experience of leveling i do too because it because sometimes it can feel more organic because it makes it easier for the gm to or dm in D to pace out how strong your players are when you want them to be yes for the encounters you want yeah and they don't and that can be something for newer dms that they can't really um predict um okay uh if there are three encounters they should level up but what if they run away from those encounters run away now do you yield experience for running away personally depending on why they run away i would if they ran away because they were outnumbered i would still give them a little experience they're not going to get nowhere near what they would but if they're doing a tactical retreat i don't want to punish them for that um, and it might be as simple as, I don't want to fight this. Okay, well, there's no real reason to give experience for that. But if they engage something and start getting their asses whipped, or they're given signs that this group is really powerful, and I think right now, guys, we need to come, up, come back with a better plan, some more help, get experience, or get stronger before we deal with this. Um, and I think that's something that can lead to inappropriate you know, rewards. If you don't make sure you award them for tactical thinking and role play, and you know, if you run into a wolf that's about ready to attack, and the druid says, "I use talk to animals and I reason with it and let it leave," do you still give them experience for that? I'd say so. Yeah, and I would too. And an experienced DM, you wouldn't you wouldn't think to do that, would you? You know, and it's and I and I think that's where some of this stems from. So, so yeah, so the inappropriate rewards. Make sure that you're. Make sure you're taking uh, everything that the characters do and the heroes do into consideration. If you do give something that's overpowered, talk to the player and say, Hey, look, I unbalance this. It's m- making you the steamroller of the group and everyone else is just on your red wagon. Um, what can we do to lower it? Don't just rip it from them after you give it to them and say, I fucked up. Well, maybe <laughs> that might work. But talk to them. Say, what can we do to, to, to fix this? What are you okay with giving up? You know? Ooh, or... Force them to a situation where they must give up their mo- their most treasured item in order to proceed. <laughs> I can see that. That's dangerous. Don't do that too much. Right. Um, but obviously. yeah, I can see there was. Uh, I was actually just listening to. Uh, I hate to. 
keep throwing, talking about inter-party conflict, but they actually had a discussion about, you know, this very thing. If so, maybe you say in order to make it past this wall, somebody has to sacrifice an item. So you put this magical item inside of this little furnace and it melts it and that opens a door. You lost your item, but you got fo- moving forward. Of course, remember in some of your puzzle, we were told a place like our most like, tr- tr- possession to proceed p- go forward, and one player thought it was hilarious to stick his dick on it. <laughs> That's funny. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it got very charred. <laughs> so there's lots of things to do. You can uh, do it in a way to add more mystery to what your, your game could be in. Like, if you give them an item that you don't think is overpowered, and you start realizing, oh, okay, this item is overpowered. Oops. But I can't just take it away from him. Oh, I got an idea. How about next time he uses it, it explodes. So you want his weapon to blow up in his hands? Something like that. That seems like a real dick move. <laughs> 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 like, hey, by the way, that super awesome Excalibur sword you just got, um, make a dexterity save. Why? Because it just blew up. <laughs> You're going to end up like uh, those people that play around with firecrackers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Luckily, I only need four fingers to hold a sword. You just grabbed a magical weapon. You don't know what else it can do. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, moving on to the the next uh, common DMing mistake: inappropriate challenges. I've done this. Anybody else? Yep. Been there. I've made encounters that are over. When I first started, it happened a lot. Uh, that I made encounters that were overattuned and it was dangerous. Or <laughs> I made them. I pulled back and they were way too easy that they weren't even fun. It's just like, oh, the war- the sword mage jumps in and you sword burst and you just you just killed everything. Like there's nothing left. Yeah, yep, that's how I roll. You know, you you gotta really make sure you plan out the challenges and know what your team's capable of. You know, we've talked about on the show about a fight that they cannot win, right? Yeah. It's okay to throw a fight they cannot win, but I did that. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, can you want to talk about it? Oh, sure, why not? I remember you and what, what other player on the uh, game I was running this past Friday, actually. You guys entered, like, a uh, a chamber, which was covered in, like, dimensional runes all over the place. And inside was actually a skeletal figure. The skeletal king. I don't know if that's what he was, but... Well, I described it as such. That's what he felt. <laughs> felt like. Was sitting there on a throne, and the... And there was a gem inside the, the, the magical circle as well, which enchanted anybody who walked near it, so you touch it. Mm-hmm. The other player made, made a save, but the NPC with them did, did not, which caused the stone to activate, and which then triggered string of runes, and this undead creature came back to life. <laughs> yeah, that sucked. We, got, we went kaboom. When you're throwing a fight at something, buddy, that they cannot win, we always say that it's okay to do that, as a beginner, you probably don't want to do that because there's a lot that goes into that. A, you need to know, make sure you have escape routes, right? Yep. You need to have a reason why that big baddie is not going to just outright kill somebody, um, which is a hard risk to deal with if you're dealing with evil creatures because there's no reason. Uh, you just, uh, you did you just stab me with your sword? Do you? I'm a damn god. You snap my fingers and you're gone, you know? In that case, that undead king I had, he just he was so powerful, he just did not care about you too because yeah, you were didn't. beneath him. Um, so that, that can be something for new players that are new DMs that can really, is very risky. So you want to try to avoid that early on. Not to say you can't do it. Uh, I actually like to do it because I know, I got to remind my char- 
heroes that they're not the biggest, baddest motherfucker out there. Um, like- oh, oh, I'm a level one militia man. Let's go fight that high dragon that's attacking the village. That's <laughs> <laughs> that Skyrim meme. You see that guy that just ate that dragon's soul? Let's go mug him. <laughs> yeah, I, th- um, I think a good idea when you have a for beginners that when you have a battle that you can't win to make it obvious that it's not going to be able to be defeated. It, yeah, you're right. Like when we were playing, uh, oh, what was it, Horde of the Dragon Queen? Maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, There's one specific caster who <laughs> lit fireball, and we were all low level characters, and he just destroys everything. It's like, okay, so we shouldn't fight him. It's probably a bad idea. <laughs> Dangoku yeah, eighty seven. Dan, would you say Dangoku? Dangoku. Dangoku bar twenty. Yeah, he was flying around sh- casting fireballs like nobody's business. And you visited this guy as a Kamehameha yeah. gesture. That's exactly what it was. And somebody yelled, Dangoku yeah, four twenty. I was like, that guy's evil. We need to beat him. And then he blows up in carriage and like, nah, we should just sit back a little bit. <laughs> you guys were like level one, right? Yeah. Maybe level uh, two. Three? Three? Were you level three? Yeah, I think three. we were three at that point. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah. But Let's get him! No, 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 no. That's nope. a bad idea. <laughs> and I did everything I could to explain it. Like when you guys were being, uh, your caravan was being raided, and he was just blowing the shit out of people. Like he was like Oprah giving out bombs. You get a bomb. You get a bomb. Everybody gets a bomb. <laughs> Oprah were like, "Fuck this!" And just walk off. Um, but he definitely was a, a, a bad person. So, but anyways. Another, you know, thing kind of tied into the inappropriate challenge is, you know, fights that aren't challenging at all to the players. That's not, I can't say that's not fun, but it can seem like the victory is empty. Yeah, um, that, that, that does, does like, I, I don't like playing a game where you just plow through the enemies and there's no challenge at all. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, and, and if it is so unbalanced where... Let's say you got a group of five, and the first three people in initiative go, and they wipe everything out. If they're high initiative rollers, they might always wipe crap out, and then the other people may not get a turn. Um, so there's a lot of... Actually, in, some of in one Dragon Age game I run monthly, the players actually... the I, I would say overall, relatively speaking, the characters start off stronger, if you will, than the the fifth edition. Uh-huh. And even at level one, they're now currently level... Th- Three, two. I am throwing stuff from the advanced book at them just to keep pace with them, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they keep rolling very well and working together as a team. It's like, oh great, now I'm throwing this old ten master at you guys, even though you're level two, <laughs> and you're still murdering it. <laughs> I think that comes down to action economy, right? Too, uh, actually, which is the other inappropriate challenge is action economy. Oh yeah. If you, if your enemies have too many attacks. Per the number of attacks that the players have, for instance, if you've got one giant monster and it gets one attack, but you have seven players, that's going to be really difficult to make challenging. Now, 5th edition actually gave lair actions, which is pretty cool. So that one big creature now actually has like three, can have two, three, or four turns in, in one initiative roll. Right. Uh, for that exact reason. But if you make it so that your enemies get, you know, four turns before your three players get to go... That's going to be create a problem too. So that's something that I've seen people struggle with. You know, when it comes to like extra attacks or adding multiple different uh, uh, monster groups and stuff like that. So that actually reminds me of one time where my old group we fought in eight, had Hydra. Mm-hmm. We, we rolled initiative. I got first. I charged a sucker. Guess I discovered the hard way. The Hydra went second. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Eight reminds me of uh, one of my favorite stories. Of uh, this goes back to the um, 
overpowered, mm-hmm. where, where you can't beat them. Mm-hmm. As you were running a group, and sounds familiar. <laughs> they, hey, and, Justin, uh, you keep running overpowered characters. And, uh, you're sitting there, and you're this boss guy. <laughs> and, and you're trying to make it as obvious as possible that the players were not going to beat him, and they were not getting the hint, so he just grabbed someone and threw him off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> and he was like, leave, I'm going to kill the rest of you. Uh, I just thought it was funny because the way you presented it to me. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I was sitting there, and they just kept attacking me, and it's a fight they can't win, and they just weren't getting the hint, so I got tired of it, so I just threw someone off a cliff. <laughs> you turn around and be like, anyone else? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm starting to see a trend. Maybe my monsters are too powerful, I don't know. So, uh, that leads us into our next one, Brandon. you want to take the lead on that? Yes, that's playing favorites. Okay, well, how can a DM play favorites? Play favorites by giving special treatment to a single player. Can you give me some examples? Giving another player more gold than everyone else. Let, let, let's say you're playing, you're, you're playing a random game with random people, right? You got this hot chick right over here, and you want to get laid, so you want to <laughs> give her extra shit. Now all the other people are starting to hate you. They don't want to come back to your games. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good example. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, other things that uh, playing cards can do is, like, uh, just one player you, you like, but they keep, like, uh, failing their their dirals, or you kill them, but you, like, fudge it behind the screen and say, oh, you succeed. <laughs> So, you know, changing die rolls in, in DCs and stuff to allow that person to succeed yeah. more than the rest, right? And to be fair, there are some times where you do want to do stuff like that, but when you lever it towards one person in particular all the time, right. then... I would say the most common time this happens, and I don't necessarily think it happens all the time on purpose, is if my wife and I are playing. Right. That's a really good time you'll see where there's a little bit of favoritism. In, you know, in their defense, the DMs aren't always do- knowing know they're doing it. Right, Brandon? Sometimes. No, nah, not for me. If my wife fucks up, I'll kill her. <laughs> <laughs> what he you is talking is... about in-game, just so you in guys game. know. In-game. <laughs> I love her to death, but I would never hurt her. What would you think you're, was going to happen when you <laughs> struck the match in, in the uh, pool of gasoline? <laughs> <laughs> black powder? Is that a candle? <laughs> oh, that guy, that you guy's, come for black powder? That guy's awesome. Yeah, Matt Mercer does an amazing job. <laughs> Nobody ever asks about the black powder. <laughs> Uh, and I had never seen that until even <laughs> Ryan showed me that, and I was cracking up. I was like, that's awesome. Victor the Merchant, Black Powder Merchant. Check out Critical Role. They're awesome. What are you buying? <laughs> Best um, merchant ever. Yeah. Uh, um, everyone knows what favoritism is. Yeah. Uh, the big thing that you want to be careful, though, is that that person doesn't become the center of the story. Um. Because it's very easy that if Ian's my best friend and he's come up with this great backstory that I start focusing more on what's going on on his character and focusing the character around him. Now, I could see on a session-by-session basis focusing on a player in particular if it's something related to their backstory, but as long as you don't focus on that one player every single time, that's okay. We're, we're We're talking about you, Trey. You should listen to Interparty Conflict. <laughs> they got a whole episode talking about a guy that does has his indestructible uh, his indestructible NPC. <laughs> so he, he's favoritizing favoritisming himself. <laughs> I used to do that before I got married. A lot. Something that a lot of GMs can fall into, the, especially new ones, is not keeping control of the game itself. And obviously, when you don't control the flow of the game, it disrupts everything, so everything down, and that can be a lot of things, like, 
GameCube rules arguments. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. That's probably... I would say that's the most common uh. one. Because sometimes the DM, especially newer DMs, may not notice, hey, um, if, if Ian, um, that's not how this rule works, and you're doing it wrong. If I'm the player and you're the DM, you can make the choice to say, well, okay, uh, let's stop the game, let's open the book, and let's check. If it's something major, sure. Right. But every now and then, though, you do need to go, okay... I, I believe this is how it works, so let's go with this for now, but let's go ahead and look it up after the game, game right. so we don't slow it down. That is the uh, mm-hmm. smart way to do it, usually 9 times like, out of 10. I would you, agree. You, you did that with me, because you were already DM- DMing. It was my first time DMing my first mod. And uh, instead of throwing the whole rule Nazi thing on me, I was it used a fire spell, but the fire spell does not catch things on fire. Mm-hmm. But as a... Uh, Role play. I allowed it to catch things on fire, mm-hmm. specifically uh, zombies, because they were wearing dry clothing. And he let that go until after the mod. And then he told me afterwards, "Hey, by the way, the spell can't catch things on fire." Right. Just so you know. Now there are times where, depending depending on the game, as long as your players are cool with it, okay, I'm going to apply real world physics here, people. <laughs> <sighs> that's 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 a Those yeah topic into itself. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole episode. Um. The other thing uh, you could do is you can actually, you know, we always talk about rules lawyers as if they're bad people, but they're not, they're innately not bad, right? They just want, they expect the game to be played a certain way. This is where you could say, okay, if you think that's how it is, we're going to continue right now. I want you to look it up for me, even while the game's going. That gives them something to do, right? Now, rules lawyers themselves aren't necessarily bad. It's just right. when they are either A, they're... Dickheads? Being a dick about it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you're a rules lawyer, please listen to our podcast and focus on the player tip of the day. Yeah, don't Short version, though, they have their place, but they can take it too far sometimes. Right, but if you've got somebody like that as a new DM, um, you can utilize that person for rules. If I'm a new DM and I know Ian knows the rules better than me, I might say, hey, Ian, what, what do you think? I don't have to know the rule. I don't have to look at the rule book. I'm going to take his advice because I know that he's wiser than me, and then maybe we'll look it up later and continue the game. Right. So, um, uh, you know, something that happens to us a lot on our show, uh, speaking about non-related stuff. Anger, do you have much more editing because of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, that's a pretty big one is when everyone's at the table is talking about other things like the new Spider-Man or the new new Marvel movie in general or a new game that just came out, Final Fantasy Stormblood. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. It's the DM's yeah. responsibility to really... To corral everyone. Catch their attention. Hey, right. get yeah. their, back to go. Eric, guys, thing. focus. Stay on top of things. Speaking of games, I want to pick up Agony when it comes out. Yeah, we're not going to go off on that team. <laughs> but nice try, <laughs> asshole. Take the bait, take the bait. <laughs> nope. I almost said, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not terribly fantastic at uh, um, keeping control of some situations because even I get interested in it, you know? Yeah. And there's occasional... Laid-back sessions, sure, but generally speaking, yeah. that and, you, and I think you, you do want to keep things on track. Yeah, and I, I think the tone of your game probably sets that, right? Yeah. You got some people that just want to sit down and play D&D. You can talk before, you can talk after, you know? When we play our games, I always have, like, a 20-minute cushion where everyone just kind of talking about what happened last time or how everyone's doing. Some people bring in their food, you know, stuff like that. Oh, man, I remember one time I was playing Celeste like a time with a group one time, and in the middle of somebody's turn, they started going on the long conversation with most of the table, and I'm sitting there going... Can we please get back to the freaking game? My turn's after years. <laughs> the next thing is um, not preparing at all. This, it is very easy to fall into this when you have a module. 
Oh, you, yeah. You think that, oh, it's already written for me. I can just go. I can just no. do it. Oh, um, God. You can. No. You can. You can but once again, your, your game's going to go slow because you're sitting there reading everything while everyone sits there and waits for you to read it. Now, me, I read slower than dirt, so I don't want nobody waiting for me to read shit. I would say that's probably one of the, the, the bigger ones is just not having your stuff together. Yeah. If you have a module, read it all beforehand yeah, that was, so that you was understand where it's going. Big thing that sucked when we first started is <laughs> you or Troy or whoever would print out mod- mods and they'd, they'd print it out like two minutes after everyone got there. And then wow. they'd start Yeah, start it wasn't it. great. And a, a one-hour game would take three hours. and There is no one-hour D&D games, dude. What are you doing? Small mods. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> it's relative. I'm using numbers. Yeah. Thanks. And we know how bad you are. Yeah, I am numbers. terrible with numbers. Uh, look, so anyways. Um, oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or even then, just uh, the simple fact that, like, I can definitely see some people thinking, I can just fly by the sea of a pass, can be something on the spot, but then the players are saying, unexpected, like, well, crap. Give me a Shit. <laughs> and, and I think that's where reading that stuff in advance comes because you know, okay, they're gonna they want to go do this. I can reroute. I can reroute it to where I need to go. I'll I'll just refer to modules. So I even mean like a homebrew setting or. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, unless you're good at improv or have taken improv classes in school, don't do it. Yeah. He actually ran his improv uh, on Friday, and it was pretty good. Well, it's not quite as improv as you thought it was. I did come up with like the basic bullet points ahead of time, I, but I did fill in the blanks. Though, that's so what like, I do. That's To me, that's all you need. And actually, I think I want to do an episode on doing a power preparation, like a less than an hour preparation, how to get your game going. Um, so about like, here's what's going on, here's what needs to happen, here's the big bad guy. Right. That, so there was a game that uh, Ryan came here, and he was going to run. I said, I'm going to show you how to power, power prepare. We literally picked three bullet points. I said, go. And it turned out to be an awesome adventure. Anyway, we're going to do an episode on that because I think that could be fun. Here, yeah. here are the mean plot points. It's definitely worth it. Here's, here's the masters that you, you want to deal with. Go. Yeah. Especially if you're like with all your friends and you have a character app on your phone mm-hmm. and dice rolling app. You can just pull it out and be like, you guys want to play a game of D&D? We're pretty bored. And I say, yeah, sure. You just pull it out and it's like, okay, I'll do this as a storyline. And you just go. I ran a D&D session during... Relay for life. Nice. We were walking around the track. <laughs> we had dice roller apps, and I was DMing as we were walking in circles. Oh, my God. It was awesome. Like, <laughs> never has five miles gone by as quickly as it did that. Um, when it comes not to preparing, please, if you're going to run monsters, make sure you at least pick them out in ahead of time, and you've got their stat blocks ready to go. Yep. Yeah, the ill-prepared NPCs can be boring. That, that one is so true. Depends on the NPC and the execution, though. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. You should have Yeah, like, if you use the time. same voice and the same mannerisms for every <laughs> single NPC, it sucks. <laughs> what? Are you talking about me? No. Because he did. He's like, yeah, yeah, you use that voice a lot, don't you? Listen, my friend, I have much to talk to you today about. Uh, you got to get into it. My very, very first time DMing, uh, it was Gwen, Amber, and Anthony. They walked into a, a store. It was a potion shop, and they had a guy, and it was on a harbor, and he had a patch over his left eye. And they were asking for something. They said, oh, we don't have that in stock. So maybe uh, my brother next door knows. Does he have black powder? No. Uh-oh. And they said, okay. So they leave the shop. They come in, and he's a twin, but he has a patch over his right eye. <laughs> and he sounds the same, too. He's like, hey, do you know where we could find this? And he's, and he's like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know where he could find it. And I said, 
You guys hear the ding of the bell on the door next door in the other shop, the potion shop. And he goes, hang on a second. He takes the iPad, puts on his left eye, and goes to the back. <laughs> so he owns the same shop. <laughs> He's the same person. He's got a split personality. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, you're very, you're very right. You know, ill-prepared NPCs definitely can be boring and very uninteresting. Um, just being not prepared is a very common problem, especially if they've already got like a pre-written module. Um, spend, make sure you spend. That's I think that's what sets good DMs <coughs> apart from great DMs. While I think improv people can do a pretty good job, I still think there ends up being a little bit of rummaging around. Uh, through the monster manual, through the module, through the books, whatever. But and sometimes uh, the modules might not have the information if it comes up for some reason too. Right, and that actually that I think is one of the biggest reasons why to read it ahead of time because you can spend time looking for something that's not there. Cause I remember I've done it. one module I ran at one point. They, there was a noble that, who was kind of a dick they had to, to deal with, but later on they found him dead. And when the player essentially goes, I lo- well, he's not going anywhere. I loot his corpse. Me? Uh, just new step like for this guy and the items there on him. You get 25 gold. <laughs> what? He's a French guy. He'll have 25 gold on him? Yes. <laughs> Maybe he stole it from a noble. <laughs> or he is a noble. So our sixth uh, common DM mistake is... Trying to win. Trying to win. Yes. That is not the goal of the dungeon master. Yeah. Because I was looking at that first bullet point. Come on, guys. Let's say it together. Winning is not the goal of the DM. Please, please understand that because there's so often we get into this this point where the DM thinks it's his job to kill the players, and some of them relish in that. Wow, I've killed uh, three players tonight. Man, I'm getting soft. You're not Charlie Sheen. I'm pretty sure the guy at that shop is out to get everybody he plays with. You think so? Yeah. Which shop? The guy that uh, you knocked out those two trolls or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. the ogres, and you walked away, they came back and stabbed you. Were you, you there like, at that game? Is... No. Uh, there so was a game it. where I played a, uh, a lawful a lawful good wizard. And so some ogres tried to, or some orcs tried to jump us. So I put them to sleep instantly. Oh, And oh. then I wanted to stab and kill them. Oh, oh, I was there for that. And he wouldn't let me do it. He said, well, he said he's ogres, not orcs. That's what threw me off. Uh, orcs, yes. They're orcs, not yeah, orcs. Yeah, I was there for that. I was so pissed. I'm like, what do you mean I can't kill him? Well, you're lawful good. I'm lawful good, not lawful nice. They tried to kill me just now. Not my fault that I could snap my fingers and put them to sleep. I'm, well, they're helpless. You wouldn't attack them. Um, bullshit. I'm lawful good, not lawful stupid. Right. Which, I was like, all right, fine. We tied them up. They wouldn't answer our questions. They gave us a little bit of ice. Fine. We went and we fought this really hard-ass boss. I finally cast uh, Tasha's hideous laughter on him. Yep. It immobilized him. We knew we couldn't win. We started to run away. Fucking javelins come out from the door, pierce through, and kill us. It's the damn fuckers he wouldn't let me kill. Oh, I was pissed. <laughs> I was That's so pissed. So bad. That's a bad DM. I was just like, oh, are you kidding me? Because you died. We all died that day. Something like that, That yeah. was <laughs> terrible. I was so mad. Good thing just... we were under level five in league play. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that... But it was still, I, the reason we died is because he wouldn't let my lawful good kill character, that was the whole, I was so mad about that. I was like, there was no difference from me stabbing him after I sleep him, versus just blowing him up. Okay. I guess another DM tip too, kind of off in that same tangent, is don't play the characters for the players. <laughs> don't play the players' characters for the players. <laughs> yeah. Now, I can understand, to be fair, from a standpoint of... Don't mind a game. Your character would not know that. Do not act on that information. Right, right. But. Don't a game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like uh, joining a game 
thinking that the DM is completely out to get the players. And some of them are. And And that's not the way the game should be played. No, it's meant to be a story-driven thing, you know, and... You know, with the DM versus player, you know, mind, it leads to the DM trying to kill the players almost all the time. And like I said earlier, there's some DMs who who really relish in that, you know. It leads them to fudging the dice in the favor of the enemies. Yeah, like, Often. Like, like here's, a, here's a good example of it. Think of D&D as a modern-day video game. The player is the player, and the DM is the program. You the are, program you are, is trying to kill me, though. Yes, but it's also making it fair. Unless that's you're play- bullshit. Unless you're playing Dark Souls. <laughs> I was going to say, that's bullshit. <laughs> Once we get to doing some Wildstar stuff, you'll realize how bullshit that statement is. Those 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 dungeons are designed to kill you. There is no, oh, whoops, you can... I'm just going to let you fly mystically They're over not top designed of to kill threat. you. They're designed to make you see your flaws and realize how bad of a player you really are. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you're fucked then, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm a terrible MMO player. Oh, hey, look at that big... Oh, isn't that cute? He's shooting a, 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 a turret to fire at me. Oh, it's so pretty and sparkly. It burns. <laughs> the, the DM, you know, when he's trying to win, you know, it can... Changing, they'll, they'll end up, they could change the, the DCs to make progression uh, more difficult for the players, traps more challenging, social encounters more difficult to overcome, you know, because they don't, they don't want that high bluff road to, to, to lie to the, the noble to have him pull his army back because he said yeah. that, you know, some bullshit lie. Especially this right here, changing DCs. It, your players will catch you on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually they will. They'll notice it. It's like, oh, you rolled a, a 14, it doesn't hit, and it... Uh, five minutes down the road, someone's gonna roll fourteen. And says that hits. Like, uh, how? How did I not hit him then? Like, yeah. Um, you missed. <laughs> yeah, you're very, you're very there, right. There, there's a fly in your eye, so you missed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty much all I've got for our main topic. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't really discuss? That are common mistakes you think uh, new DMs make? Yep. Now I can see to a degree if your players are doing well and you're trying to make some things. Mo- a little more interesting. Right, just to keep things challenging, but then there's that point of being a dick about it. <laughs> right, yeah, and that's what you want. And that, now, these things aren't necessarily, you know, the signs of a terrible DM. It's more of the signs of a inexperienced DM, which is, you know, common. These are common mistakes that people just kind of pick up as they go. For all of you out there in Crit Nation, if there's some ideas you think we should have added to this list, please send us an email about it. Mm. Um, I'd love to hear more about what people think are common mistakes that maybe we didn't cover. I think a common mistake that new DMs make is railroading players. Guilty! (laughs) Yes, because I think they don't realize... It's easier to keep everyone on a railroad until you can learn to better abdicate the rules and guide the players. Um, I think that one of the big mistakes that I don't think we, I don't know if we touched on it at all, but not having enough hooks for the players can lead to railroading. Right. If I only give you one hook, well, that's, that's which way you're going, you know. There's no branching, there's no... I think a good way of getting a, getting multiple hooks is to put up like a bulletin board. Yeah, a jobs board. Yep, I I agree. That's probably, to me, that's one of the best ways because in a community like that, that's how you're going to do it. You're going to either have a town crier shouting, hey, you know, come here, we got a list of (laughs) items. The the king of the castle demands the attention of all available knights and wizards, you know. It can also help with um, avoiding what happened to your group where they... Uh, went the complete opposite direction. I ended up fighting people way way overpowered. As <laughs> he got yeah. this bolt and it says, 
Oh, we need these people or de dead. Uh, severely experienced fighters needed. Yeah, and I think that if I was to build the um, bulletin board, um, I haven't done. Actually, that's not true. I'm running games right now, but um, I haven't needed to use the bullet, the jobs board yet. But yeah. I want. I, I would like to rate my jobs boards. Right. Something else. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Something in the same vein too. I just remember a past adventure <coughs> I've played, where there's one uh, DM in one game where we. And this was a homebrew campaign, for the record. Mm -hmm. He, we were essentially given a, a, a puzzle presented in front of us, and the players figured it out way faster than he expected. Okay. But because he wanted it to take longer, he wouldn't give it to us right away, even though we d dang right. well solved it. Huh. And that was pretty frustrating when he. We, yeah, but, I can imagine. And we found, and we we, we just could tell like, but we did that a half hour ago, <laughs> <laughs> or something. You want to pay attention to as a DM, especially if you're like going very in depth into the setting itself and your characters' backstories, and you, especially campaigns where you ha make sure, okay, write your backstory stories, give me a couple paragraphs ahead of time. Mm -hmm. My character was essentially a son of the former nobility of the, of the, of the city. Okay, and he was actually was fairly injured on the battlefield to the point where people thought he was dead, mm -hmm. but he managed to pull through. And his whole quest is okay. I'm going to get to this mercenary city, but build up my fighting skills. Eventually, retake my my rightfully rightful throne and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Very first adventure, we start in that city. I even thought said, "Why am I here?" Right, because your <laughs> character wouldn't be there, right? Because a, I'm a level one fighter. B, my face would be recognized. C. Right. <laughs> Very cool. So, that is it for our main topic today. Six common DMing mistakes. Um, we we say six, but really there was a collection of different concepts there. Uh, just narrowed down into six categories. We fill in the blanks a little bit here and there. Yeah. After every main topic in our show, you know, we can drive you a little bit. We can we can drive you a little bit. We can drive you into madness with all of our chant with all our chatter. So because, kind of to celebrate the fact that you haven't gone mad listening to us, each week we give away the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Compliments of our fellowship members, Lore Smith. Lore Smith! Lore Smith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. <laughs> They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that push them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one you don't want to miss. And this week's lucky winner is Br Brianna B Bjorkland. Bjorkland? Bjorkland. Hey, you said that right. Yeah. When it comes crashing down and it hurts What the hell are you pelvic thrusting for? <laughs> you break your headset? Don't break my headset. I kick your ass. I broke your headset. Congratulations, <laughs> Brianna. And uh, uh, Bree actually, I think, is the one that sent us uh, some of the questions we had early in a few previous episode. Good viewer. Uh, yeah, good listener. We're glad to have you, and congratulations, Bree. And now on to our fourth and final segment: our unearthed tips and tricks. 
where we bring creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Our first Unearthed Tips and Trick is the character concept. Faked my death. Oh. Um, so basically the idea is that your character, for whatever reason, is on the run. And in order to get free, whether it's escaping uh, something in his past, you know, you know, a mob family duty duty like a marriage or some a prearranged marriage or maybe he did something broke the law so they they end up faking their own deaths i think this you know and kind of taking on a second identity i think the charlatan background is great for this because it has like the false identity uh mm -hmm. uh feature and so you can literally get all the legal paperwork and all this different stuff for your character and you become proficient like the disguise kid i think so <laughs> like shit everyone's my face Fire. I need fire. <laughs> you know, and basically, your character faked their own death. Let, let's say, for instance, um, family duty. They were they had a prearranged marriage that they didn't want anything of. Instead, they have this urge to seek out unknown treasures in, 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 in mysteries and stuff like that. But she had big tracts of land. <laughs> <laughs> she had really big jugs, too. A, a moment like that in um, Port of the Dragon Queen. Did we? Yeah, there was the guy that was buried up to his neck because he ran away from his uh, <laughs> pre-arranged marriage because he didn't want to get married to a female dwarf. Yeah, but he lied to you about that. <laughs> but you guys never figured that out, did you? Oh, no, we didn't. No, you didn't. No, yeah, he, they found this guy dug up to his neck in the sand, and their entire caravan comes strolling by, and the whole caravan's like, we should leave him. And they're all like, no, he, he's he, not his fault he ran away from a pre-arranged marriage. They're like... I don't know, man. They didn't trust him. He's like lying through his teeth about, I just didn't want to marry her. She was fat as fuck. <laughs> you should have seen the beard. <laughs> it wasn't even a good one like on a dwarf. <laughs> but, uh, um, but, you know, yeah, she was an ugly fat gob monster, you know, and he didn't want to marry her. But that was the story he told you but guys. Apparently that was a lie. And I don't... I, Wish I was there to see what would happen next because well, you should come. I broke the tip off of my arrow, the broadhead, mm -hmm. and put it in his mouth so he could dig himself out. <laughs> Pretty sure that's a Shanghai. Yeah, it, it is. That's Shanghai where I got that from. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, did you really use that spoon to dig yourself out? You bet your ass I did. Chopsticks, actually. <laughs> what is it? It was chopsticks. chopsticks. Oh, chopsticks. <laughs> so I think this could be a really fun thing, and you can do a lot with it, especially if you work with your DM and say, hey, I faked my death to get away from this prearranged marriage to this this noble so if you can definitely work with your dm to maybe let him tie that into the story this could be really fun especially especially if your player the character the group doesn't know you're not who you say you are yep like can you imagine uh ian's character nut puncher he's they've been calling him nut puncher forever and they what was his real name kobo uh, his name was Kobo, and they might have heard it maybe they didn't uh, but they come to know him and then all of a sudden they find out that he was the son of a, uh, a king, and he ran away because he didn't want to uh, marry the, the big, fat, ugly beast monster lady. I ran away because my dad was a dick, yet. <laughs> Which <laughs> is why you have an affinity that's, for punching be, people uh, in the nuts. That'd be a dick move for a DM to do, too. It's like, all right, you're all walking through the town, and a random pedestrian stops and says, Kobo? Is that you? No, 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 no. Mm, I'm I, sure it's you. I get oh, that a shit. lot. <laughs> But I think that would can be uh, that, that would add to a lot of good uh, opportunities. So, or you could do this with an NPC. If you did this with an NPC, where let's say it's a long NPC that's been important in the the, the in campaign for a while. Let's say your your town is your adventure is based out of this one little town, and you're constantly talking to this person, and you think you've got a good relationship, and it turns out that person's no not even close to the person that they said they were. 
That, that reminds me of uh, one... There's one girl who was essentially a, a librarian, and she uh, helped us out a lot dur dur during quests. And it turned out that she was a god. Yeah. Yeah. That w that's cool. I like that. I like it when they're gods or dragons. So that is our character concept of the podcast. Fake my own death. Anybody want to touch on the uh, monster variant? Monster variant. Trogner the Barbed. Oh, you used the name I did. I did because that was way cooler than Spiked Troll. <laughs> or the Doomsday. Doomsday. So <laughs> like, you think we, th we need a name? I start thinking of Trogdor. He's like, I can't use that because who's Trogdor? Trogdor was a man. Who? Trogdor the Burninator. He was a dragon man. But then he was just a dragon. But he was still Trogdor. The origin of this one is the troll. As a bonus action, the troll can cause spiked bones to protrude all over its body or cause them to retract. At the start of each of its turns, while the barbs are out, it deals 1d6 piercing damage to any creature grappling it or any creature grappled by it. That's very cool. That's actually your idea, isn't it, Even More or less, yeah. Yeah, I, like, I, I didn't have here, a creature, and he just, like, <laughs> sends it to me. I'm like, that's awesome. Let me give you I a mean, hug. I mean, the idea behind it was, like, maybe the troll got beat up so many times that there's bones sticking out and just heals back in place. <laughs> yeah, actually, when you when you told me that, I thought of uh, there's a character in Naruto where he can cause bones to just spling right out of his body. Kimimaru or the... Uh, Kimimaru. Or the mutant Maru in X-Men. Oh, yeah, him too. I really like this this idea because, first of all, the, the troll is large, right? Yep. And it recovers HP over time. Yep. So it would make sense that, just like Wolverine, if stuff just came out, it would heal up when it retracted. So it really fit the fit the theme, right? I, I would use this character as a grappler against the players. Right. Where he, since he's large, he could just gra grapple one person with each hand and just choke a bitch. And spikes just come spewing <laughs> right, or shooting right out of his... Spikes him shooting right out of his, you know, hands when he's holding on to him. Or if your DM, if you really want to get creative as the DM, like you could get big old spikes on his chest and he could just grab somebody and smash him onto his chest. So they just hang there. <laughs> he's got to say bling before he does it too. Yeah. Just, bling! There was a, uh, there was a monster in fourth edition. I think it was called the Corpse Collector. And yeah. it was like that. It had all these little spikes and it would just throw dead corpses onto itself and they would just hang there. <laughs> Ew, that thing was freaking creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was it was cool though. But it kind of reminds me of that, you know. He he, you could do a lot with this if you're if you're willing to, you know, get creative with his grapples. Say you can only grapple two people, but maybe you he like, chucks them over his shoulders and spikes impale the person. That'd be really cool. And obviously, it's not very much. It's not a whole lot of damage, but um, I probably would grapple maybe one person and then use the other one to make a regular attack combined with the. Because uh, I would like grab him with one hand. Stick them on my chest and then start beating my chest like a freaking uh, uh, gorilla. A gorilla. Oh, 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 there you go. Oh, oh. So um, that is our monster variant of the podcast, Trogner the Barbed. Today's podcast encounter is the Lake of Petrification. That sounds cool. Oh, yeah. Any creature that's not already living in the lake when it was enchanted becomes petrified after contact. Yeah, very that's, cool. That so, sounds a lot like the Dead Sea. <laughs> Uh, there actually, I read an article of uh, that made me think of this, and I think I shared it uh, on the Facebook. I don't know, um, but apparently, there's a place in the world where this happens. It's Lake Natron in Tanzania. Anyways, um, so yeah, so this could be really cool and could create a very interesting encounter. And you don't even have to have monsters for this to be interesting. It can just be very wavy 
wavy waters, right? Where there's water, the stuff's constantly smashing into the side of the boat with the risk of them, you know, toppling over or falling into the water. Or somebody being shoved into the water with the shove action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could if they end up fighting somebody. Like, or a rogue so, wave. So what I kind of envisioned is, you know, your character's got to go out to this area. You mentioned, you know, uh, maybe there's a, a, a Gorgon's Lair that you're going out. So this, this would be a good lake to surround it, right? You, your characters get on the boats, but something, uh, something artificial or magic is creating it to be very wavy and very rough, like rapids or something, where the risk of them falling in is more dangerous than any monster. Uh, because if they get in, there's, it's possible that... I'm, I wouldn't make it like a save or die like they would get you know, two chances, like the Gorgon ability, I think, gives you two... You, you fail and it takes like two rounds or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily takes effect right away, but if you didn't get out quick enough, you'd be effed pretty bad. Um, and by making it very rapids and stuff, that could be what makes it so dangerous. Not so much monsters trying to knock you in, but just riding on the water itself is treacherous. Boats capsize all the time, stuff like that. Whoa! I think this would be a really good opportunity to really let the, the sailor background really shine. Where somebody could really have a huge advantage over why they can navigate the rapids and the, the rough watery area as they're trying to get to this layer or that they have, you know, they could also, you know, uh, why I think quest in itself would be, be cool is why does it petrify stuff? You know, did it always petrify stuff or is that a new thing that happened? Maybe it's contaminated with Gorgon blood. Maybe. That's good. Something I like that. that. Within the depths of the lake, inside the cave, lays the, the eye of the Gorgon. Oh, there you go. And if they can retrieve it, they might be able to gain its power. For those who don't know what a Gorgon is, that's the same race that Medusa is. Yes, something like that. A snake-haired lady that turns people into stone. Bad looking at them? Yeah. I don't actually think that's what they are in fifth in D&D, but... Yeah. So, in 5th edition, so the, the Gorgon's actually a bull, which is closer to the original thing. Uh, Medusa is just her own creature type. Um, also, the Basilisk has uh, freezing sight or petrified gaze. So <laughs> I almost fucked myself with that. You remember that one, right? What? Yeah, when I almost screwed myself over with the Basilisk guy. Didn't you look at it by mistake or something? Like it fell out of your napkin or something or whatever like, cloth? Uh, the the thought was is uh, we killed the Bas- Basilisk. And I was like, whoa, wait, I might be able to use this as a possible weapon in the future. So I pulled one of his eyes out. And I said, well, what if it doesn't work? Because it's dead. Does it still work? <laughs> so I, I told you, I do this and look away. And he said, you look at it and you instantly start feeling petrified. <laughs> Make some sort of save or whatever. It's like, shit! I'm pretty sure I was very choosy about the words where, like, I think I said something along the lines. As soon as you quickly look at it, part of your body starts to stiffen. A familiar feeling you've had before. Yeah, because I was it looked at me at once before. But yes, so um, the Lake of Petrification, you can really theme it around the whole, <laughs> the Gorgon or the Basilisk or a Medusa, and create a very fun, uh, engaging scenario. What Ooh, would be really cool... Golems. Golems too, yeah. That's another one. Uh, having them, having them uh, have to fight like a Gorgon or Medusa while they're next to this lake, or this river, or whatever you make of it, so... A lot of cool ideas, a lot of fun. Don't fall off the boat. Don't spring a leak. Whatever falls into the lake does become stone, but then, but then they become enchanted golems under the control of the creatures that control the lake. Oh, that's cool. I like that. That would be really cool if a, if it was like a wizard's tower, and then he enchanted the lake the the lake around his tower. Yeah. To do just that because he needed more minions. 
instead of a necromancer doing it, just be a wizard who found a way to petrify people and and use them as as clay golems to create his own little army. Ooh, that could be an awesome arc, uh, campaign arc. Yeah, the wiz- the wizard who's raising a clone army. <laughs> no Jar Jar Binks allowed, right? No. <laughs> Misa wants a clone army. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our encounter of the podcast, the Lake of Petrification. Today's magic item is the Tongs of the Flame, blacksmith tongs that are enchanted to cast heat metal. No need for a forge, work on the go, or drive <laughs> <laughs> You almost had it! Yes, I know. <laughs> it's so funny. I know, it's hilarious, and you're making it better. <laughs> blacksmith tongs that are enchanted to cast heat metal. No need for a forge, work on the go, or be a traveling smith. The casting time is only one minute. <laughs> the applause is going to go in there. I think, uh... Oh, God. That was really good. I think uh, some dwarves have paid good money for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, this is actually a really cool item. It has, like, no real combat utility, because it takes a minute to cast. But, the fact that... I feel like the dwarf out there just a challenge accepted. Yeah, I know. I mean... <laughs> It's a utility item, right? If somebody's got the artisan for forging, or I imagine they're, you're right. There's from probably some dwarves out there who pay good money for this. What? <laughs> I don't need a forge? Blast <laughs> by me! <laughs> or if you want to set fire to someone's house, you only need one minute to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, we, the we item... ways of making him talk. <laughs> basically, the item works... <laughs> <laughs> Unzip his pants. <laughs> <laughs> You've got one minute to talk. What are you doing? That's getting really warm. Ah! 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 Uh, that's funny. Um, basically, it's a utility item and a convenience <laughs> one. I can imagine uh, a player with the artisan background using this as a way to, you know, set up shop temporarily in every town he visits and offer his services um, to repair his own equipment on the go. You know, if he gets, you know, impaled by a spear and it breaks some of his armor and just fix it, just heat metal and start hammering away. You know, I think there could be a problem with that one though. What's that? Or the having being a traveling blacksmith from town to town and let's say you're in a caravan and someone starts to notice that you don't have a forge yet you're making weapons somehow now they're getting suspicious and they find out that you have this magical item you might become a target for someone it's really funny you mentioned that because didn't we just talk about that in the last episode yeah uh, <laughs> where, it, where the dm tip was make uh, magical items liabilities so it's really cool that you, you, you talked about that. Um, it's definitely a powerful and fun uh, item. It obviously doesn't have very much combat utility, but I can think of... I can imagine players can find a very creative way to be able to just heat up a surface uh, super to hot that it's malleable. Oh, man. They could probably bypass, like, locks and stuff. Yeah. I didn't even consider that. So melt that shit off? Just melt it right off. Melt the door, door hinges off. Yeah. And there, there is a question you could do for that, if it's done the right way. Like, you have a blacksmith that says, my forge is broken, I can make you some weapons, but I've heard there's this magical item that you can, if you go retrieve it from me, from this lair, you bring it back, I'll get everything done for free, type of thing. Indefinitely. Like, let me, you get this item for me, I will be your, your repair smith. Or better yet, if somebody has blacksmithing. When he come back with it, he can be like, I fixed my forge, you can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. That is our magic item of the day. Alright, and today's Dungeon Master Chip Index Card Tense. And I've actually used these before, they're quite useful, especially for, for one-shots. <laughs> yes, I agree. So if you don't know what an Index Card Tent is, you we will describe it. 
tabletop props? Yeah, yeah, those things that I use. Oh, yeah. To get in this card, fold in the half on one side, write down your character's name, AC, all that jazz, phrasing. Yep, sit it right. Uh, yep, sit it off right in front of you. It's great because not only does it help the DM see everyone's pieces of information, their class, their race, their name. How many people forget people's name all the time? I sure as hell do. But it helps the players with that stuff. So when I look at Ian, I don't got to worry if I'm going to remember that his character is Kobo or not. It's right there. Works great Jenkon too. Yes. You know, it's 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 super simple. Anybody can do it. If you really want to get fancy like I did, we actually have a uh, uh, you can actually get uh Print them off and laminate them. And actually, if you go to our website, under our tool section, we have one of these you can print off and laminate, um, and that's reusable. So you can just use, like, Wadi Race. Neat. Very cool. They, d- they do help. Yeah. That is our Dungeon Master Tip of the Podcast, Index Card Tents. And this DM tip has been passed down throughout the generations by the Armstrong family. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> our player tip... generations. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. This week's player tip comes from listener Garrett T. Give your characters hobbies. Yeah, I may have a character that has a uh, dice problem. <laughs> oh, yeah? How so? He likes to gamble. Gambling? I would say that's probably the most common one because it's part of some of the backgrounds. Oh, yeah. But what about hobbies that aren't a part of backgrounds? What about cooking? I like to collect uh, unicorn porcelain figurines. I think being a collector is a good one, right? You like to collect a unique item. I don't know if you a barbarian that like to collect the skills from the creatures he killed. Yeah, that's very cool. What about you? What hobby would you give your character, Brandon? Art. Art? Yeah. I'd have to be an artist. That that could actually be a a usable hobby to gain more money while in town. Yeah, and it can might tie into swordsmanship calligraphy, right? You know? Yeah. Doing the the paint the fence whole karate kid thing, maybe? <laughs> no? I got that out. One of my could you, you imagine that? Hey, we need you. We need to hire you for your art. Oh yeah, we need me to paint that fence over there. <laughs> <laughs> you just you write uh, uh, kobold shit on the side of it. Uh, one of my characters' hobbies was he was a bagpiper. I mean, I like the art one. That one was really good. I would say if I gave uh, my character a hobby, fishing, fishing could be one. Yeah, fishing would be a good hobby. <laughs> I remember having a. Uh a friend of mine once had a dwarf fighter in the party whose uh, job on the side was he was a midwife. <laughs> <laughs> so when everyone starts to get hurt, he's like, come on, breathe with me. <laughs> breathe. <laughs> Women go through worse pains than this, you pansy ass. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So that <laughs> I know it's not a hobby, but someone came up with a hilarious job for a dwarf. Yeah. A Something like this really just, it doesn't provide any <laughs> mechanical benefit. <laughs> <laughs> that just be so funny. There's some lady out in the middle of the street, and she goes, "My water broke." And he has this half orc. Just, Did someone say their water broke? <laughs> I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> she, the woman's trying to kick him away. <laughs> Don't. No, 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 stop. <laughs> that's funny. For a future, put on this beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> I really. That's really funny. I like that. Um. <laughs> These provide no mechanical benefit, but they really just allow you to flesh out your character with one more unique thing. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't don't be be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by giving your characters hobbies. Dickitude. I love that word. Oh, man, this is so gross. What's it look like? Have you ever made H.R. Duncan? It's like that, only backwards. (laughs) H.R. Duncan? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) 
my god. That's just funny. Oh man. <laughs> when I thought I was like, I cannot say it. That is our show for the day. If you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you'd like us to discuss, how can they send them to us? Uh, they can uh, email us directly at critacademy at gmail.com. Or they can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. The Facebook. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. And if you did, you can help others find our show by leaving hopefully a five-star review on iTunes, Google+, Stitcher, whatever platform you use. We're pretty much on all of them except for SoundCloud right now. Um, which I might fix shortly. And also be sure to like and give us a share. Yep. Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures as well as a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. And you will also find links to our fellowship members there as well. I am your host, Justin. I'm your guest, Brandon. And I'm your other guest, Ian. Thank you for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. <laughs>